fast as I can. Good morning. Welcome to Warehouse. If you are here and you have uh, questions at any time, something I say, something I didn't say, something that happened, something you're curious about in reading our materials, that's what this card is for. You can fill it out and uh, drop it in the offering when it comes, or the yellow boxes which hang two places on the wall. Uh, any question at all you have. This, uh, today we start a new series. I saw that. Three-week series entitled This. And what it does is it focuses on core messages for Warehouse. Essentially, these three talks will frame what happens at Warehouse for the duration. They encapsulate uh, three key aspects of what we think the church is supposed to be like. The first one is this is our community. The second one is this is how we grow. The third one is this is where we're going. Vision, transformation, community. Those things are at the core of a church that seeks to live well in the midst of uh, our culture. And so today, we focus on the message, this is our community. As we do so, you're going to uh, hear a story um, from one of our small group leaders uh, named Jason Gilmore. And actually, throughout this entire series, each week you'll hear a story, a video story from someone about their experience. And, and uh, uh, Jason's group has been, uh, it's just a, it's an incredible example of what community actually looks like. Welcome to Warehouse. My name's Jason Gilmore. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm the oldest of five boys and loved living in the city, but uh, after college couldn't find a job. So I moved down here to Charlotte and started going to Warehouse Um, after coming to Warehouse on and off for about a year, year and a half, something like that, I was one of the people who sat in the back and left early and ducked out. Um, I was perfectly content with that for a good while until I felt God pulling on my heart and telling me that there was, there was something more. He wanted a deeper relationship with me and that he had, he had more in store in the world for me to experience. Um, so... I went to an entry point one time, and they were talking about small groups at Warehouse and how important it was to get connected, so I figured I'd take a step and see what happened, and it was a little awkward and uncomfortable at first, but it, it turned out to be a really good experience and has, has changed a lot of my life from that point on. I tell everyone who comes to our small group, like, the most important thing that we care about is that you find a group of people that makes your soul come alive. It doesn't matter if it's with us or with another group or for whatever that means. The most important thing is that you get connected with people who can bring you closer to God. I think you have to look for God moving in your life and the lives around you. I think God, God intends everyone to be and desires everyone to be close to him and to be accepted and to feel his love and feel his grace overwhelm them. And at some point in your life and your day-to-day -day existence, he's, he's breaking in, he's, he's moving people to speak into your life, and he's shaping events that will draw you to him. And I think step one in seeing God is just being on the lookout for him. He's moving in the world all around, and you just have to, you just have to be aware. And once you're once you're cognitively, cognitively thinking about that, it's, it becomes increasingly easy to see him in your, in your day-to-day -day life. I think step two would be, if you want to take that further, God built us and made our hearts to be 
connected to him and to be connected communally to each other. And I think to go deeper into God and to, and to find a greater relationship with him, it's really important to find people who you can connect with and who get you on like a soul deep kind of level and people you can be real with and people you can be honest with. And I think by doing that and by spending time in prayer with them and reading scripture with them and just living life and going through troubles and successes and failures and funny times and tragic times, that those are the things that bring you closer to them and closer to God. That's step number two. Uh, Step number three, I don't think I know. Step number three, I feel like. I've managed step one and step two relatively okay. Step three, I feel like I'm still I'm still working on. So I think our small group has somehow, I think by the grace of God, been able to do that. And I think the spirit just comes every Wednesday night and every Sunday afternoon or every Saturday night when we hang out. And it just fills our hearts and, and we want to love people. And that love bounces back to us and it just kind of snowballs from there. I think what's made uh, Jason's group so uh, strong is they've, they've kept it relatively simple. Community's not complicated. We can make it complicated. It's, it's really not complicated. The word community comes from a Latin word. It just means in common. That's all it means. What community is is when people have something in common, and so they make some sort of connection because of that. I think we pretty naturally do that, you know, Jason talked about some of the reasons that may be deeper, and we'll get more of that later, that, that may be deeper at core or why, but we pretty naturally do it. We like to make connections. You know, social networks are about connections, and you can argue that they're superficial. Some are, certainly, but they're about connections. They're about finding something in common and, and interacting with other people about those. At the core of um, biblical Christianity is this concept of community. And, and th- there's... there's it seems to be, and with the passage we're going to look at today points that out, there seems to be something that's, that's very, really at the center of what it's supposed to look like when, when, when people who, who follow Jesus get together. The community's core to what they do. It's inherent. But I'll be very frank with you. In the American church, we can get this wrong. And it's like so many things. This, when things are simple... The, the way to mess them up is to um, make them a little more complicated. Maybe just add a little bit. Maybe just develop it a little more. Most things that are very effective, they're stripped clean, and they're, they're at the very core simple and straightforward. And, and if you can do those things really well, then it's powerful. You know, one of the ways, quite honestly... I'll talk about others later. One of the ways the American church has, has sort of missed this is, uh, is me. And, and not me personally. I haven't personally messed up the entire American church. However, there's something about this concept. Here I stand before you speaking and you listen to me. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's a thing. But 
in the American church, what's happened is we've developed a certain feel to the church where it's often about the guy who stands up there speaking. And so it, it develops a, an, an attitude or a feel that's not really community. It's people watching and, and, people, and people listening. I'm pretty sure I am a better speaker than the, the guys that we're going to talk about in, in the book of Acts this morning. Seriously, I'm pretty sure I was a better speaker than Peter. I got, I got training. I got skills. He, well, it was, he was a fisherman. Come on. I'm willing to bet he was a better fisherman than I am. But seriously, I've got, I've got years of training. However, somehow, in his simplicity, he didn't take center stage, really. The movement did. And, and you know, the, the idea that we have people speaking, I don't think it's a bad thing, but it can lead us into a dangerous place where, and I promise you I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm you know, three months from not being here. I promise you I'm not saying this. I've, I've always believed this, that there's something wrong when one person becomes more focal in a community than others. So that's the idea of this. This is our community. Community is a group of people who gather and have something in common that binds them together. And powerful communities are those where maybe the superficial binding at first goes deeper and people live their lives alongside one another. So today what we're going to do is we're going to walk through what is, to some of you, will be a very familiar passage because it is where we got at least part of the name Warehouse 242 from. And since you know that the word warehouse is not used in the Bible, you probably figured it's about the 242 part, which it is, Acts 242. And so we're going we're gonna to look through that passage and, and talk about it and explore a little bit about what make, keeps simpl- community simple and powerful and what gets in the way of us doing it well. I'm just going to read one verse right now, and it says this. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, th- we've actually done this. Like, we've, took the ta- we've, took, we've taken that verse out. You know, here we go. We got to our verse, right? And it's, it, it, we can really romanticize this. What is the picture of the early church? Well, you know, later on it says they were really happy and they were praising God and everybody liked them and you have this picture of the early church. What happened? Well, they got together and they, they taught the Bible and they, and they had communion and they prayed and everybody liked them and it was awesome and nobody had any pimples. I mean, it was just, it was this perfect place. Oh, if only we could get back to that way that they were. You have to understand what was happening right before this. Right before this it says, Peter gave a message and once again, I'm a better speaker than he is. But Peter gave a message, and 3,000 people, 1,000, said, I'm, I'm with him. And so they had 3,000 people, and they had no instruction book, no, no model. It's one of my pet peeves, and so he says, the biblical model. Seriously, show me, show me any page here where it talks about, there's no model. There's 3,000 people, and they're looking at each other going, what, are, what, are, what, are, what should we do? I, I, you want to teach him something? Okay. And we, should pr- we could pray because we've got this new relationship with God and, and everybody likes to eat. <laughs> but can you imagine how uncomfortable it was? You got 3,000 strangers. 3,000, they don't know each other. They're like, hey, how, how you doing? I'm Bruce. 3,000 people who were gathered together and this is a community. They got one thing in common. They heard a message, they believed it, and now they're all thrown in this mix together. It would have been an incredibly uncomfortable, awkward gathering. 
I, you know, maybe that's how you first felt when you walked into a church. It certainly is how I felt. I, I, I said in the first service it was the most uncomfortable moment in my life. That, that can't be true, seriously. I've, I'm sure I've had more uncomfortable moments than that, but it was up there. I mean, I, I'd, become a, I'd become a Christian in high school, and I, after that I thought, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to go to church. And so somebody invited me, and I went, okay, I'll, I'll go. I, I walked in, and I, I felt like I was in a different planet. I mean, really, what, this is what it, felt, it felt like other people had a playbook, and, and they didn't give it to me. They, they were using words. I understood what all the words were. I didn't know why they were using them in that way. I, di- I didn't know this, the, you know, it didn't make any sense to me. And they were very happy, apparently. I'm from the Northeast. You know, we sneer. I walked in, and I, they were very happy to see me. And for me, honestly, it was uncomfortable. So my first experience in the church was very uncomfortable. I didn't feel like I fit at all. And so, you know what I did? I didn't go again. I was only 17. Come on, I've I've grown since then. But at 17, I'm supposed to go to church. It's incredibly uncomfortable. I'm moving on. It was years later. About four years later before I walked in the door of a church again. I needed to discover something that got me past the awkward, uncomfortable stage and helped me to realize why do I engage meaningfully with other people. Not why should I go to church, why should I engage in community? So we're going to explore that a little bit today and talk about the why of community. What's its, what's its place? What's important? So how can that help us to, to take the steps in to engage in community? So I'm going to read a, go on and read the, some more of the passage. So they were teaching and they were spending time together and they were eating bread and they were praying. And then it says this, reverential awe came over everyone and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. Okay, I said Peter was not as good as speak with me. He was, though, doing miraculous signs. So that is, that is something. All who believed were together and held everything in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. Every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. By common consent, they just started to gather together. And as they gathered together, something happened, which I don't believe any of them anticipated coming into it. They were thrown together. They had commonly believed in a message. They were thrown together. And then something happened which moved their experience to a completely new level. They began living life alongside one another. They began sharing possessions. I mean, you have to get the context here. It's not like they had a, a list of things like, okay, churches were supposed to do benevolence, and so let's do 12% for people in need. It was like, oh, you don't have any money? Well, here, here's some money. Uh, yeah, I could sell it. I don't really need that. I could sell that. Something happened, and they began to live their lives alongside one another and, and care about one another. They seem to have gotten a core, simple principle about what community is. It's sharing your life. Nothing more, nothing less. Not fancy, 
I, I don't think it was well organized. Later on, they were like, this is getting overwhelming. Perhaps we should put a little structure here. But it was a very simple thing. They just started to care about each other. And so people were walking in off the streets and they were being welcomed into this community which had this magnetic impact. So, why do you move past the awkwardness to move into community? Because there's something about our souls that wants to know that we are not in this on our own. That it's, I, you look, I, I'm, some of you are like me, you're introverts. I'm an introvert, which means to put it in the nicest way, sometimes I want to be by myself. Some of you are like that. Sometimes you don't want to be by yourself. But I also deeply want to share my life with other people. I, I want to experience, I want to know that I'm not in it alone. There's something about that's the way we were wired. Made the image of God for connection with God and connections with other people. And what happens when community really works is we enter something we didn't even expect. We came to a church because you're supposed to go to church. We discovered that what we shared in common was the image of God and the desire to know that somebody loves us and to love other people. We experience that in the best of our relationships. We experience that in the best of communities. We share life in common. Very simple. So, there was a survey done recently to, on spirituality in America. Four of the questions that were asked were this. One of them, first question was, essentially, would you believe in God? And 99%. 99% said, we're in. God, God's good. We're, we're, we're good. Now, different conceptions, unquestionably, but 99%. That's awesome. Second question, you know, what do you think about Jesus? Staggering majority said, oh, I think Jesus is great. You know, we're with Jesus. He's clearly different conceptions of who he was and what that means, but vast majority of people were on board with Jesus as a, you know, that's a good thing. Spirituality, what's your, are you a spiritual person? Vast majority said, absolutely. I believe there's a spiritual component to life. Yes. I'm. The church ought to be really, really good and very popular because, okay, God, check. Jesus, yeah. Spirituality, that's us. So when they ask the fourth question, what do you think about the church? I mean, this is going to, we're going to have to go into athletic hyperbole. 110% of the people love the church because we got all these positive things. We got God, we got Jesus, we got spirituality. And so they asked the question, what, what do you feel about the church? And 80% had a negative view of it. I mean, let's ask, we got to ask the question again, right? Because maybe I asked it wrong. Because God, we're good with God. Jesus, yeah, like Jesus. Spirituality, awesome. Church, not so good. How does that happen? How does most of America, maybe you, look at church and go, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. I think we get some things off. I think we create some dynamics, un unintentionally often, which counteract the very power and the simplicity 
of what the community is supposed to be. And I want to talk about two of them. One of them is we become a consumptive place. This is what I mean. America is a consumer, a consumer uh, society. We, we commodify everything. Everything is bought and sold. And so when the church becomes a place of consumption, it counteracts the very thing that makes it powerful. You know, in this place, it says they're selling their possessions, they're giving away, and there's a dynamic that happens when the church is a place that offers services. What do you need? We can do that. We can tailor that to fit you. There's a dynamic that happens unintentionally, quite honestly. I mean, I've been, I've been on this side, you know, 27 years. And I promise you, there was never a single point where I thought, hey, let's do this because this will counteract the good of creating a community of love and peace and connecting people to God. However, when consumption, goods and services, becomes implicitly what the church is about, something goes haywire from both sides. You become critics. You didn't mean to. But you evaluate everything else, right? If I go to a restaurant and some, I say Diet Coke and they say, is Diet Pepsi okay? I say, no, it's really not. Are you, are you really asking? Diet Pepsi's clearly not as good. <laughs> Don't I have a right to say that? I'm a consumer. I would tell them if they would listen, stop selling Pepsi. People don't like Pepsi. I'm a consumer. Am I doing something wrong? And so when the consumer part comes into the church, that's what we do. Oh, I, like, I don't like that. Oh, I like that. That's, that's, I don't like that so much. And then from here, I'm now tailoring things because you're the consumer. And when that happens, something starts to go sideways. See what was going on here? They were not perfect. They did have warts and pimples. They did have issues. Had no training whatsoever. But they owned the community. It was theirs. Understand this. There was no church. None of the people who were coming were going, I wonder what the church is going to do. They were it. There wasn't really any question about it. There was no organization out there to be called the church. It was them. What changes the dynamic of community is when the people in the community own it. You know what it's like. If you're a part of the issue, you both cut more slack to the group you're in, you understand it better, and you weigh in more powerfully to counteract things. When you're not, just naturally, you're just sort of standing back and evaluating. Consumption trickles in to the church community. The second thing that happens is this. I want you to understand the context again. Here's what's going on. 3,000 people. 3,000 people believe the message and they gathered together. Now, all common sense would tell you, all right, we, we're going to have a little trouble handling this 3,000. So, this is our, that's our time. Let's just focus on the 3,000. Really, that's plenty. Let's focus on the 3,000. 
Let's get them doing well, and then we can consider, you know, looking outside for some more people. But, th- you know, 3,000 is a lot. I mean, clearly we're a success. We're a mega church already. You know, before long, people are going to be coming, asking them, how did they do it? They're a mega church. So, but they got to, you know, let's, let's control here. Let's keep the, let's focus on the community first. Now, I want you to watch what happened, actually. See, the whole passage, it, actually, you got to see the last verse. So they were getting together, like 3,000 of them. They were reading the Bible-ish. They were really talking. They didn't have these, you know, the whole printing press thing hadn't happened yet. They were praying, they were sharing their lives, and, and then at the end of this passage, and the Lord was adding to their number every day those were being saved. I think there's a specificity there on purpose. Every day. So, 3,000 today, 3,000 tomorrow, a couple more thousand on Thursday, every day. I promise you, everything within me would have been saying, we got to slow down here, people. We got to manage this. It's going to get chaotic. It's like they didn't have any choice. It just kept booming. The point is this. To be very honest with you, building community is counterintuitive. As soon as we focus on the community itself, it starts to lose the magic of what made it what it was in the beginning. As soon as that which bound people together, see what happened? They all, 3,000 of them walked together and they felt awkward, but somehow they just got let in, just like they were. No rules, no restrictions. Simple. There is a sociological principle that's this. All organizations tend toward intransigence, which means hardening. What once was mission soon becomes maintenance if you don't push hard against it. What made this community so magic? Anybody could come. And they did. There were never any barriers. Seriously, what did they have in common? They believed something and they started to hang out together. But the insidious thing about all organizations, not just the church, all organizations, is the more they're around, the more they become established. The more they become established, the more they focus internal. The more they focus internal, they kill off the very thing that made the community strong. You see, when we, any church, no longer thinks about the person who's not there, well, then I start to wonder, if they're not coming in, am am I still okay? Am I still acceptable? Because we're not bringing in many people who don't know the playbook. And so am I still okay? It's really easy I'm going to tell you a secret. This is a brilliant trick. You want to be accepted in a community? Lie. (laughs) Write that down. Drew, put it in the iPad. (laughs) 
it, sometimes it seems that's what people want anyway, right? How are you doing? Well, what part of my life are you looking at? No, 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 that's not what I was asking. See, you missed it. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Everything's awesome. Your kids? Going great. Sure, there have been challenges, but you want to be accepted, you can just lie. Sometimes it feels like that's what it takes anyway. I walked into that first church and everything within me wanted to lie. And then I walked into a Christian group on campus. And I didn't. It didn't go well. It didn't. Within days, they were talking about me. Oh, there was plenty to talk about. But I realized very quickly, I didn't fit. I wasn't what they were looking for. Why is his hair so long? (laughs) True. What's with the sandals and the cut-off shorts? He doesn't know anything about the Bible. And so, I did what I did the first time. I walked away. This time I was mad. I thought, seriously? I, I, can't, I can't be myself? Let's be brutally honest. The American church is notorious for this. I've got to have my act together. That is not community. I don't actually know what it is, but it's not community. It's not this. They were unorganized, not well-trained. They had one thing right. Coming in, just like you are. There's anything we've truly butchered, it's that. So it's that quite honestly, if you walked in here today for the first time, even though it doesn't really look like a church and doesn't actually act like a church, we got the Bible, you know, we got all the things, we got the Bible, we got God, we got Jesus, we got all that, and so you know it's a church, and you can see the words and the songs and stuff, and the Bible's still on the screen, so you know it's a church. It, if you're in here and you haven't been to church in a long time, internally, you're on your heels. Because you know what you're supposed to be like in a church. Get your act together. And what happens when we focus internally is that we implicitly communicate this message that everybody's got to have their act together. And we miss the vision Jesus had. See, community only works when it keeps looking outward. Because that's the magic of it. And Jesus walked around and he would see people who clearly they were disreputable. And the sort of the, the Pharisees and stuff, they would look at him and go, not him, Jesus. And somebody would ask him to a party and he's like, yeah, I'm in. And they're like, do you know there's going to be a lot of drinking there? I know. Prostitutes are talking to him. Jeez, it's a prostitute. I, I know. I, I'm not worried about her. I'm a little worried about you. No. <laughs> not really worried about her. See, let me, let me ask you a question. <laughs> the most holy person who's ever walked the face of the earth didn't seem to mind who he associated with. 
allowed people to be themselves. And so they told him everything. They just talked to him. It was like it was one person. It was like they were they were like a bubble. You press it and they burst because they finally found somebody. That if they were their self, it was okay. They had learned the routine. How do you be accepted? Just lie. Tell people you're okay. They finally met somebody who they didn't have to do that with. I can just be I can just be me. And I can be okay. That is Jesus' vision for community. Where you and I walk in like we are, and we're accepted. Challenged, maybe. Encouraged. Loved. Walked alongside with. And that only remains the case when we fight against the pressure to become inward. 3,000 were added. The next day, there were more. They just kept coming. And so in some way, they never had time to get it right inside. They never had time to fine-tune it. So what they did was they accepted people in. They loved them. They talked to them about Jesus, and they walked alongside with them. And it worked beautifully. This is, I might be so bold to say, I think this is God's vision for a warehouse. To be a place where that 80%, you got to get the number, 80% of the people that you bump into, that might be 80% of the people who are in here, are a little bit nervous when it comes to the church. By a little bit, I mean a lot. Terrified. Terrified of what? Not, it's not boredom. I mean, you might be bored, but it's not that. Nobody's really, so it's okay. Some people are terrified of being bored. What are they terrified of? That they won't be seen as okay. So with the heavy sigh, it's got to fake it there too. What makes community powerful is we don't have to fake it anymore. makes community powerful is when anybody can come in. What makes the community powerful is when everybody in the community owns that and lives that out and loves being maybe a slightly disorganized but organic, passionate gathering of people. I don't mean to, you know, trump Jason and his group as over other groups. It's just, I, as I've watched some of the things that happened, they didn't really... I mean, it's not all that brilliantly organized. I mean, there's no, you don't have an org chart, right? They just accept people to come in. It seems to work. They just walk alongside one another. It seems to work beautifully. That's what God wants for here. Entire community. Place that's wide open. That cares more about the 80% than about ourselves. When that happens, we get cared for too because we've created a place where people love one another just like they are. Let's pray. Lord, help us to discover the counterintuitive power of community that by not focusing on itself becomes a great community. 
help us to fight against that tendency to see what we do as products to be bought, sold, and evaluated. Teach us to be simple. Believe the message of the gospel that there is a God in heaven who loves us and who sent his son to die for us. Seek to live lives wide open, loving God and loving others. And as we do so, finding a place of freedom for ourselves. We pray this believing it is possible because you are the one who leads us into it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you go out this week, our prayer is that you will know how much you are loved by God, that you are known, he sees you, he loves you. He sent his son to die for you. Jesus was raised again to bring you fullness of life and into a full relationship with God the Father. So just know that you have the love of God. You've got the grace of Jesus Christ that covers all your sins. And you have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace.